and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, Happy New Year. How are you doing this week? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. I'm ready for... A new year full of lots of great adventure. How about you? I'm good. And we figured with the new year, we would some have some new resolutions on, on our end here. And the very first thing that you really thought we really should do this year is to give some folks some information as to how they can save some time on a Disney vacation. Because we know that time is paramount when you're on vacation. So true. And I guess, you know, this is the... Glass half full, glass half empty. Are we saving time or telling you the ways that you're going to waste it most? It depends (laughs) how you want to look at it, but that's what we've got for you tonight. And I'm going to show my jersey here and say that going on a Disney vacation is not like just going down the shore. You've got, you know, a chair and a bottle of sunscreen in your set. You really, really need to plan for Disney. And in that planning is where you're going to enjoy yourself more and waste a lot less time. But like always, it's just so subjective. So we're going to give you some real examples, but we're also going to give you some concepts to apply that may be what works for your family and may not. Well, and I think that leads us back to the thing that you say all the time is that it depends on your traveling party, right? So it is subjective. So when you're reading these things all over the internet that tell you not to do certain things, you know right away if that applies or doesn't apply to your particular group. I have to say I read several blog posts on the same topic and I cringed at some of them. If I did some of the things they said, I would tell you that I don't think I would enjoy Disney even half as much as I do now. Right. So again, even if we're suggesting something, maybe that's not going to work for you. So just be mindful of it. But I think the thing that you hit on there that is the most important piece is the preparation, right? You you were showing your Jersey. We're both Jersey folks. I live at the beach where you can just kind of walk down there even though when you see the amount of things some of these parents bring for their kids, we're not, we're, we're not them. You can just go there and sit down and hang out for the day. That's not Disney. There needs to be some preparation. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the job that you have as far as being a travel specialist. So talk to us about the preparation that goes into it to maximize your time. You bet. And I, I will toot my own horn and all of my colleagues. A travel specialist is going to be very helpful for you. Most of us are free. Um, we're going to guide you on the basics and we're going to talk to you on some of these things. But the biggest thing that I say to my clients when we talk about preparation is really to know the app. We do a Genie webinar so that you know how to use that part of the app and you're familiar with Genie. But I do pepper in some other things because in my mind, there's five key parts of the app that you're going to use over and over. And the app probably has 75 to 100 different functions, but five of them are really essential in my mind. The first is obviously Genie. The second is Virtual Queue. And we've got a big game changer coming on Virtual Queue in another week. So we know finally, come January 9th, Disney World kind of goes back in time, thankfully, a little over three years. <laughs> yes. 
There will no longer be park reservations. There will no longer be that 2 p.m. park hopping. And I should say, there will no longer be park reservations for 95% of the ticket holders out there. Right. There are, there are definitely take, people there that right now that are saying, that's not me. <laughs> right. There are a couple that will still need it. But the average person going to Disney, that first-time guest or second-time guest that's on a Disney travel package isn't going to need a park reservation. And that's where virtual queue becomes game-changing because you can have one person working on your Magic Kingdom virtual queue and one working on your Epcot since there's no park reservation required. So knowing how to get to that virtual queue is key. Also, while I gave you that tidbit, I will say you do need to be in a park to get in the afternoon queue. So Genie is number one in being prepared. Virtual queue is number two. Wait times. There's understanding the wait time part of the app and the where to see the characters so that you can use your time the way that you intend. There are definitely shorter and longer rides. Sometimes you are got a little bit of time to fill before dining or fireworks or parade. You don't want to get on a ride with a long wait time and miss one of those things. You certainly don't want to walk very far to then look at the wait time and say, oh, this wasn't a good choice. So knowing how to use that part of the app is key. Initially, I was not a fan of mobile ordering. If you've learned one thing about me, I am a little slow to go with the technology. I like talking to people. Yeah. Who would have thunk that? (laughs) Um, But I've really come to like the mobile food ordering option. I also use it as a way to kill time while standing in line. My family will order food while online for a ride so that when we get off, the order is ready to hit, you know, we're on our way and get our food picked up. So knowing how to use that is key. And then the last part is how to access your photos and videos through the memory maker and photo pass part of the app. All great pieces that, You don't want to stand in the middle of the park with everybody looking around your phone and struggling of how to use those five key pieces. Well, and let's be totally transparent. Several years ago, if you were a Disney vacationer, this was just not a part of your experience. You could have had tons of preparation that went into it, but this was not it. So the game has changed. If you are several years removed from having gone, you now need to be up to speed with what's going on. The biggest, the biggest thing that I get asked a lot and the, the biggest piece of advice that I give has to do with kind of getting around once you're in Walt Disney World. And people ask that when they talk about where they want to stay. I'm sure you have those conversations about location. You know, that's the number one thing in real estate. But I get the questions about where you're going from point A to point B often. That has to be something that you get to. We do. We get it all the time. And I will say Disney is phenomenal with their transportation. They transport more people than some cities. Yeah. So we've talked before about their incredible fleet of buses, boats, monorails, and of course, sky gondolas. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to get from point A to point B is important, though. Sometimes there's only one choice and knowing how to get there is important. Um, But sometimes the choices, there might be more than one choice or the choices are in different directions. For example, 
if you're staying at Art of Animation or Pop Century and you're going to Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom, you're going to head to the front of the resort and take a motor coach. But if you go to the front of the resort looking to get to Epcot or Hollywood Studios, they're going to send you to the total opposite end to the back of the resort to get on those sky gondolas to head over to those two parks. Unless, of course, it's lightning and then the gondolas aren't running and you need buses. So knowing how to get from A to B, especially if you're park hopping, um, Epcot is another key example of that. Do you want to go out the front of the park and grab a bus or a monorail? Do you want to go out the back of the park and grab a boat or a gondola? You get plenty of steps in when you're in Disney and you certainly don't want to be headed totally in the wrong direction. Well, and some of it too that I've encountered when I'm giving point A to point B comes from, you know, special things that folks are doing. Like I'll give a perfect example of several years ago when friends of ours were going to the Hoopy Doo Review, but they were staying at Caribbean Beach. So for people that don't that don't really understand the landscape, they don't know that it's going to take you the amount of time it's going to take you to get there, number one. And then number two, how you get home. So like those those types of things, when you when we say point A to point B, they're not as straightforward as, as going from park to park or park to hotel. Sometimes you got to do a little bit of legwork to figure out what's the what's the best way for me to get to and from this specific meal or whether it's a character meal or whatever else it is without wasting too much time because those can those can burn up a lot of your day traveling they can and again it's one of the points that we do in pre-planning when you want to go to someplace like hoopty do or even ohana and chef mickey things that are in resorts we often work with clients and maybe do those dinners on your animal kingdom day because animal kingdom as most of us know closes earlier than any other park you're either going to be park hopping or you're headed back to your resort somewhere between four and six at night. So it's the perfect way to head out to the bus and take a bus to that alternate resort and then get home from there. It kind of cuts down on that transportation. We used to always say there is no resort to resort transportation, um, but that's not entirely true anymore. Anything that's on the gondola ride, you can do resort to resort. The big thing to keep in mind that I find I have seen more people than I would like to count do this is people count on walking through Epcot to get somewhere. Right. And you can't walk through a park without park admission. So even though you might be able to take a gondola and walk through Epcot and then take the monorail over to Ohana... If you don't have that park hopper or Epcot wasn't your park of the day, you can't say to them, I just need to get to the front for transportation. So knowing those couple of odd bits of transportation that aren't as straightforward is really going to be very helpful to you. Unless, of course, you go for that Uber or Lyft. Remembering, again, you can never take Uber or Lyft directly to the Magic Kingdom. Well, and the example that you gave just before we talked about Uber and Lyft, that's also something that's changing now because of the, the changes in what we mentioned before in the park reservations and things like that. So depending upon your ticket, as you as you just said, park hopping and things like that, Epcot becomes a little bit of a different pass through because of that sky gondola. So it's all the more reason 
why you need to do the planning ahead of time because you can't assume one thing and maybe there is a way that you didn't know of just but by figuring it out before you go that's the best way to do it and the travel specialist is is just the answer giver i mean <laughs> we actually if you remember jeff you and i did an episode probably about almost a year ago with the new restaurant that opened in fort wilderness and obviously i know all my transportation options yep. but i was like Whatever comes first, there were about three ways to get from the fort back to my resort. And I decided whatever came first was the option I was going to take. And I will tell you, I spent almost two hours on transportation getting back to my resort. Yeah. So that's the case of how it really could be that time waster if you don't know where you're going and how to be efficient about it. If you're out for the ride, I'd go for it. But again, tonight we're all about how to save you time. One of the things that always really just makes me laugh, and maybe it's because some of these things are not where we spend a lot of our vacation time, are the folks that are that are trying to find that perfect spot for either the show or the fireworks or a parade. Like you see people that are essentially camping out like it's Black Friday in some of these spaces to try to get you know the, the best possible seat that they can for any of these experiences. You have any advice for for people that are that are really looking to find the perfect spot for for any of those things that I mentioned—a show, fireworks, parade, that type of thing? You know that can help them save some time rather than than waste it. Well, we do, and again, it's not all going to be the same for the parade. Depending on the age of your children, I do suggest going early. Sometimes there are very kind people that don't have young children that will let young children get to the curb so that they can see. But you should never expect that kindness. Um, parades, because they are more eye level, if you've got young ones, I do try to get there a little earlier to get a space. Though again, if you walk all the way back to the front of the park, there is often some great space more last minute towards the train station and city hall than right at the hub in front of the castle. Sure. When it comes to fireworks, here's a news flash for you. They're in the sky. Very true. Very true. It doesn't matter who's in front of you. You're looking up. <laughs> <laughs> but but to be fair, looking up, depending upon the experience, might matter, right? You, the, to say that, you still want to see some projections that are on the castle if you're at the Magic Kingdom, depending upon you know, where you're standing in Epcot during their nighttime show in Hollywood studios, you know, if you're, if you're looking what they're projecting over onto the, the theater, that type of thing, it's not that there's not rationale behind having the ability to see where the projections are in some of these places, Yes, but you're not going to find a better fireworks spot necessarily than any yes. of those. I'm a fan when we're doing getting ready for parade and fireworks. If it's not quite parade and fireworks time, spread out a little bit. Give yourself, you know, a couple of inches between you and other members of your family. People are going to squeeze in. Maybe you've got a little one and somebody else was sitting down that now stands up. You want to have a little bit of space to move around. If you are going to a parade and you think you've got this perfect spot and there's people sitting, there is absolutely nothing wrong with saying to them, excuse me. Do you plan to stand up for the parade? I'm not saying that you should dictate what they do, 
But it may be a great spot to see if they remain sitting. But if they're going to stand when the parade starts, you might as well know now and find a different spot if that matters to you. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And as far as the theaters go, like some of these are just so big that like, to you know, I remember a friend of mine that went and, and got the Fantasmic package by having dinner at the Brown Derby and we ended up getting just as good of a seat as they did. So like it really depends. Like there's some of these theaters are massive. So the Fantasmic package is one that I feel a little bit differently about. Um, I like it because it allows me to slide in last minute and be guaranteed a spot. Sure. I'm not doing it to have the perfect spot. I'm doing it not to waste my time standing Waiting. in line sure. and be yeah. guaranteed a spot. Correct. Because as massive as that Fantasmic Theater is, it does fill. And they do save the section for everybody who has the sticker for dining entrance. But you've heard me talk before. My family loves shows, whether we're talking Fantasmic is an evening show or Beauty and the Beast, Festival of the Lion King, Nemo. We're huge fans of all of them. We have days, honestly, where we do almost nothing but shows. And honestly, whether I'm in row six or row 26, they're very well-designed pitched theaters. So row 26 still has a great view. They are large. You will get into, especially those daytime shows. Um, so I don't spend a lot of time online. It's funny, when I was researching this, one of the websites that I saw had an article with the same concept when I was working on our SEO keyword searching, it directed me to some things. And one of them said, the biggest thing you can do to waste your time in Disney is go to a show. And again, I think that's shows where we're all different the the tip right under never go to a show was never see carousel of progress now i will tell you i have spent more time than i care to count stuck when carousel of progress <laughs> misaligned and we didn't get out on time sure but carousel of progress if you don't know is the original piece of Disney. That's what Walt took to the World's Fair. That was really his test concept for an amusement park. Yep. If you haven't seen Carousel of Progress, you are doing yourself a disservice. Do you need to see it every time you go to Disney? You don't. Do you need to make sure you've seen it? I think you definitely do. So again, how you spend your time, how you save time and waste time, a little bit subjective. But for me, it is definitely take the time and see the shows, but don't queue up an hour before the show to get a great spot. You don't need to be there that far in advance. So we've got a couple more to go through here quickly as we come to the end. You know, I think this one is something that we've always kind of prided ourselves on, and that's having a plan of what we're going to do. We're not first timers. So for us as a family, like it works for us to get up early, go to the park, come back, have lunch, swim a little bit, go back wherever we're going to go back late at night. Like we've developed a plan that works for us. That's not for everybody. And if you're here for the first time, maybe you feel like you're, you're losing time in the park if you do that. So having a plan from, from our perspective as a family is, is a huge way to save time. 
Most definitely. And swimming is definitely one of my little pet peeves in time wasters. It totally works for your family, for my family, for people that have been to Disney many times, typically families that go more than once a year or families that go every year. You've seen 98% of what Disney offers and you know you'll see it again. But if you're a first-timer or a second-timer, there's so much to do. And we have a lot of families that start by saying to me, we're going to take a break every day and swim. And, you know, I get it. You want a break. But I'm a bigger fan of starting your day a little later so that you can swim in the morning, planning to swim maybe on that Animal Kingdom day when you get back. I talk to clients a lot who have never been to Disney about understanding how large Disney is. So even though you're staying on property, I always use the analogy, you know, if you were to head to the grocery store right now, from the time you say, okay, I'm leaving for the store, how many minutes is it from I'm leaving to the store to I'm getting in my car? The answer for most of us is probably one or two minutes. It's not one or two minutes from I'm leaving my hotel room to I'm getting on transportation. Generally, you're walking down a hall, waiting for an elevator, and then walking another distance and then waiting for the transportation. The same thing when you're ready to take that swim break. You're nowhere near the front of the park. That's one of the great things about Epcot. If you can sneak out the back, you're good. But by the time you decide you want a break, It could take you 15 minutes just to get from where you are in the park back back to where transportation is. And so by the time you leave the park, wait for the transportation, head back to the resort, go to your room, everybody changes, go down and swim, and now reverse the process, that one hour of pool time is typically going to take you between two and a half and four hours. And again, if that's what you want to do, I'm all for it, as long as you know that's what you're doing. And so having that plan is great. We personally take a break by park hopping. We get out of the environment of overstimulation. Maybe we ride the monorail, we ride a boat, but you kind of get those couple of minutes where you're away from people, you're not standing in a line, and you can kind of talk and reset and start fresh. I always found when I'm traveling with little ones, it's a great time to get them to nap. And then usually they'll go into that new park and stay sleeping for a little bit. But getting them out of all the excitement is key. Well, and I think that segues us right into really the last one because you're talking about little ones. And I think it's very important as you're planning a Disney vacation to take a look at the list of attractions. If you've been there to know the list of attractions and figure out what's right and, and what's not right for your family. You know, the story of us walking up to Soren with my, my son who we had thought he was the proper height and the cast member said he was just too short and he was very upset. You know, that can be avoided and we thought we did avoid it, but we obviously could have done a better job on that. So whether it's height or whether it's, you know, my kids aren't into certain characters, you know, those are things that you should know ahead of time so that you're not spinning your wheels while you're there. Most definitely. I encourage people, if you haven't done some kind of local amusement park, carnival, you name it, to have an idea 
Will my child go on something that goes fast? Will they go backwards? It's not the time to push your kids in my estimation. If they're not a thrill ride kid, great. You just saved yourself a lot of long lines. Thrill rides always have the longest line. And if they're not going to be that height requirement, Save yourself that disappointment. Yeah, 100%. All right, we're coming to the end of the program. What haven't we covered tonight? We didn't really talk about characters. And my number one time saver that I will tell you that is true for not all of the characters, but many, is we are huge fans of doing character buffets. And the reason is that the majority of the character meals have four to five characters And they are going to come to your table while you're dining in between you eating, kind of like double dipping. I'm taking the time to eat and I didn't have to get on four or five separate character lines. So character meals can be a huge time saver for you. Well, Sandy, I thank you for your expertise as always, as we head into 2024, it's looking like it's going to be a great year for all of us with magic all around. And hopefully we save some folks some time this week. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll speak to you soon. Have a great week. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Dis. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Dis by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories. <laughs>